I can't underscore the importance of having women in your corner. If, if you are creating a community run business, um, having people in your corner that will support you, they are bought into you, they want to see you win. And ultimately, when it comes to a community based business, those are the people that matter the most. Wherever they go and whoever they deem is someone that they respect, corporations will always follow whoever is leading that group. And you just don't need to worry. Like, the funds will come, the resources will come, but focus on serving your community first and everything will open up. Welcome to the Freedom Slay podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, entrepreneurs, and other passionate peeps come to fast track their success. If you're trying to make boss moves, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals, to create a life of time and financial freedom, all while doing the things that you love. So basically, it's like a mashup of Beyonce's songs, Mood Forever, Bigger, and I Was Here, Meeting Bon Jovi's It's My Life and Frank Sinatra's My Way, just in podcast form, because you'll be living life on your terms, making an impact, and bang, honey. I'm Genete Jones, your host and freedom slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to the Freedom Slay podcast. If you've ever wondered just how companies are pulling in sponsorships from larger companies for events or how to sell your product or service in a way that generates real results, then this is the episode for you. I'm speaking with sales and sponsorship pro Chantal George, who is the founder of Sisters in Sales and has garnered seven figures in sponsorships for her events. Sisters in Sales, also known by the acronym SIS, has grown tremendously over the past five years and is now the largest sales organization for Black women in the U.S. with members in 28 different countries. Sis has partnered with reputable brands like Google and Condé Nast and Pinterest and Salesforce and TikTok, and I could go on and on and so many more. They've even just partnered with Taraji P. Henson as a keynote speaker for their upcoming event. Needless to say, Chantel George is someone you need to learn from. And in this episode, we dive into just how she does it, including what's important when requesting sponsorships, partnerships, how not to get ghosted, and all things about sales. So let's dive right in. Hello, Chantel. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and I'm excited to sit down with you too. And I know you have so much going on. So we're going to get right into it. Like I've shared a bit about who you are and what it is that you do in the intro of the episode, but are you able to just share a little bit of what shaped you into who you are today? Absolutely. So when I think about who I've evolved to be, because we are always evolving, I often reflect on what some of the early signals were in my life. I'm a first generation American. My family's from the Caribbean. And when they came to this country. Oh, hold on, hold on. What part? (laughs) Yeah. So my father was from Dominique and my mother was from Jamaica. And I use past tense because both of of them have passed actually. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm from Bermuda. So that's why as soon as you mentioned like islands and all all in it. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I have some cousins in Bermuda too. So I love that we have that connection point. But so that you understand, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners understand too, when you come to a new country, you look for a community, you look for people that look like you, you look for the food that reminds you of the food back home and, you know, all of that. And so I got a firsthand experience 
of the importance of community by watching how my parents navigated America coming here as, as adults. And it didn't really become something that I knew how to build upon or productize or commercialize until recently. I mean, within the past five years, when I was in my role as a sales executive and sales professional, and I realized I didn't have a community within my industry. So I leveraged the same technology that I saw my parents use, which is getting people together, breaking bread, literally sharing and being vulnerable and building community. And so I built community to help me understand my profession five years ago. And the first ever engagement was 10 women who worked in sales. And we got together in Harlem. We broke bread, literally. We had food. We had all of these different elements in this dinner. And now we're at over 6,000 members around the world. And we reached 38 different countries. We just had an engagement in Accra, Ghana in June. And our fifth annual summit is coming up next week. So definitely... (laughs) The community has been accelerated, but I owe it a lot to my parents. I always love hearing the backstory because it brings it all together. And I love seeing how far you've come from 10 people to 6,000 members and 38 countries and all of that. Like, it's amazing. So congrats to you for that, first and foremost. Thank you. And I want to dive right into it because you have a huge sister in sales event coming up September 21st to the 23rd. I can never hear the words September 21st and not think of the Earth, Wind and Fire song, but that's not neither here nor there. And I, and I know you've secured seven figures in sponsorships. You have Taraji P. Henson speaking, the keynote speaker. And this is impressive. And I want to know, like, well, I'm sure it didn't just come about by luck. What does the back end planning for something like this and something on this scale look like? Oh, that's a great question. I would say that there are a lot of different pieces that have to happen at the same time. So part of that is attempting to juggle multiple different departments within the business. So that is the sales motion, the marketing motion, the operations motion, the finance motion, and the production of the actual physical event. But every part of a company, especially a community-focused business, the genesis of their work comes from what I think the content should be for the event. Then they can rally around the vision in a way that makes sense to their respective jobs. So how we got this far, how Taraji got involved, how we got to seven figures of sponsorship and how we got to all these women that are excited to come actually came from my annual trip. So every year I go on a trip and I try to unplug. So last year I went to Mexico, Playa del Carmen, and I just brought like my journal. I brought my phone, but I didn't really use it. And I went into the sea. I just thought, what's missing? What do I need? Put myself in the shoes of someone that's struggling with their career. This was also early 2021. So things were still a little shaky when it came to just the world and the bounce back from the COVID disaster and all the other social and economical problems that we were all dealing with at the same time. And so In those reflections, in moments of silence, I can think about a few things. The theme. What is a theme? What should it be? What is a catchphrase that would encapsulate how I feel and how I think others feel? Then I think about how many days do I need to actually explain what we're trying to explain and take someone on a journey that brings them from where they are to where we'd like them to be when they walk out that door for the final time. 
And after putting pen to paper and thinking about the theme, the theme for this year is you have arrived. Personally, that means to me that you've gone through a lot. We've all gone through a tremendous amount of stress. We've arrived now to a place where we can take a load off of our shoulders. And I want to now match that with a production element. So if someone has arrived and that's a theme, that means that when they come to our event, we've taken care of everything. So that indicates how luxurious the event should be. So you can see from that example that it all comes from the vision of the event. Then everyone knows what direction to move forward in. Mm. And it's interesting to me that it was during that time when the world around us seemed to be going all over the place that we tend to step back and have those moments of silence that bring about such great ideas. So when you had this idea in Playa de Carmen, who was the first one you called like on your team? How big is your team? At the time, our team was small. I think we were about like four or five people. But the first person I called was actually my fiance. I don't know. He was not my fiance at the time. He was my boyfriend at the time. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. And I called them and I was like, I've got this idea. We're going to work on transforming women from the inside out. We're going to talk about the importance of getting our finances in order. We're heading into a difficult financial time. There are talks of recession. Let's explore that ASAP. And so we were building that concept out last year, November, in anticipation for the financial turbulence that's happening right now in September, right now. And so just trying to be predictive and bouncing that idea off of him. And he's like, it makes sense. Like, go for it. And then I brought it to the team. And again, you start with an inspirational concept and it's very mushy when you describe it, but it continues to take shape over time. Mm -hmm. So it started to evolve. You told your then boyfriend, our fiance, you spoke to the team thereafter. And when you spoke to them, what was the first piece? Was it like, okay, let's book the venue and figure it out from there? Or was it like, okay, let's make sure we have the budget together? What was like the most important thing you had to do first? Just like with everything, I mean, founders were not impervious from challenges. So it's the end of last year and we've made profit as a business. In fact, 2021 was a good year for the business because with a virtual conference, which we did for 2020 and 2021, our costs were quite low. So we're sitting here and we're like, hmm, we have some profit now. We could do something virtual again. We could scale back or we could completely reinvest 100% of everything that we have been able to retain from being virtual. I mean, virtual events are not nearly as expensive as in-person events. So we made the decision to take our profits and put a deposit down in November of last year at this huge 50,000 square foot event space. And so that was the first thing. It was the decision to invest and to invest bullish in a bullish way and to invest quickly. Because believe it or not, in November of last year, we were actually challenged to find as much the time that we preferred we actually saw that a lot of large organizations were doing the same thing. They're booking a year in advance. So we had to move quickly. And thankfully we got in. Mm -hmm. And a, a large part of that was likely because many conferences were getting canceled, pushed back and rescheduled, right? So they were probably like, okay, let's just move the 2020 to the 2021 at the same time. So that just like it pushed so many more there. 
So I'm glad you got that. And 50,000 square feet is huge. So how many people are you expecting for the live event in September? Well, which is now. Next week. (laughs) Next Wednesday. Is the 21st really next week? Oh my goodness. Seven days is literally seven days away from when we're recording this. (laughs) Yep. Well, we are expecting around 600 people. We are sure that we're going to get maybe a tad more because there's so much need right now for people to reestablish relationships. I don't know about you, but even in the past two years, relationships, my personal relationships have shifted. People have moved to different cities to have better cost of living or just ease of life. Um, I live in New York City. I feel like I'm one of the last ones standing here when I think about my, (laughs) my friends. So relationships have shifted. And I think as we get closer to the event, I'm seeing an influx of women wanting to be here to find new friends, new Mm -hmm. industry peers, new Mm -hmm. company contacts, like going into 2023, feeling a bit stronger about the relationships that they have in their life. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And connection so important, so especially after the years that we've had. So I 1000% see why it would be such a popular thing to attend. And what about then, because I know a question someone may be thinking and have gone through themselves is about like the ghosted emails. So, you know, when it comes to requesting these sponsorships for others, so many emails get ghosted. So what's you and your team's secret to getting potential sponsors to, before even hopping on board, open the email, respond, get excited about it and hop on board? Well, I think that we should probably start from the beginning. I know it sounds crazy to always go back to the origin, but I would say that this is not a overnight success by any means. You know, the first ever partners we work with were not giving us thousands of dollars or offering any type of crazy monetary um, exchange. It was as simple as getting someone from this organization to speak on a panel. Like that was the equivalent of a sponsorship. And I think we need to be a little flexible when we create sustainable partnerships and understand that sometimes it's going to be a crawl, walk, run. I mean, a perfect example is our partnership with Google. For the first two years, it was just getting a recruiter in the room. These were smaller events. There were like less than 100 people. And I'd reach out to our contact and say, this is a great place for you to just meet people. Like, will you support us from that angle? And they did. Then they met people. And this is like a pilot approach. And they were like, these women are amazing. We want to continue support. And then in year three, they started to really support. And now year five, they are a champion sponsor. So I feel like we have to zoom out a little bit and provide opportunities for sponsors to fall in love with your brand. And that happens with time and frequent engagement. 
if we go into the business trying to get a six-figure check from a first interaction, it's going to be very challenging. It's easier to create buffer in your business plan by saying, I know by year two or year three, I'll get a five or six-figure check. So let me work towards that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know that is the mindset of so many people, right? Thinking that they're going to send an email and from that one email to that person that doesn't know you, doesn't know about your business, never have heard about it, they're going to just throw money your way. And I'm glad that you shared that it does take time. You're building meaningful, real relationships and also helping them trust you initially, because what if they throw money at an event and they're like, this wasn't even worth the money. So they're building that relationship. They're building the trust. And now they say, okay, well, I know, you know, sis is going to put on a great event and it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be something that creates real change. And I want to be a part of that, but they aren't going to be able to do that from the very beginning from an email itself. So I'm glad that you did share that. And it's helping to set expectations for those that are listening that may feel discouraged because their emails aren't being answered or because they, and maybe because they're asking for six or five figures, right? So I'm glad that you mentioned that it may be required to start smaller, to request the speaking spot, to ask for less, to offer something up yourself that could be beneficial to them. Maybe you're going to be showing them in the media, you know, talking about them, which helps their brand representation. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think so many more people need to hear that for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, starting small, but creating loyalists, that's really important. I can't underscore the importance of having women in your corner. If, if you are creating a community run business, um, having people in your corner that will support you, they are bought into you, they want to see you win. And ultimately, when it comes to a community based business, those are the people that matter the most, wherever they go, and whoever they deem is someone that they respect corporations will always follow whoever is leading that group. And you just don't need to worry. Like the funds will come, the resources will come, but focus on serving your community first and everything will open up. Mm -hmm, For sure. And when you're sending those emails though to your community now, when you've built that relationship, is there anything in particular for those listening that they should always include for some sponsorship emails? So I know like some people have templates of sorts and you may not have a template, but maybe it's like an intro. I just, in these podcast episodes, I know that those that listen like to listen to learn and take something away, right? So they're like, okay, well, I want to get sponsorship for my event, maybe a small little event, but what should my email look like? Their first email before they've even ever met the person or the email after they've built that relationship, whichever is easiest to speak on. But just so that they have an idea of the things they should be mentioning or asking, like, What's too long? What's too short? Do you have a specific thing you create to send out to your potential sponsors? I see. So like a prospecting email to sponsors. Yes. I know this is going to sound counterintuitive, but 90 to 95% of our revenues are inbound. Start from an inbound meeting. We rarely do a ton of spray and pray outbound messaging. And I'm not saying this to be like, we don't have templates, but I just want to reestablish the importance of relationships. Mm-hmm. When and if I do send an email, I'm not selling anything. I'm explaining the purpose of the community and I'm doing it on an individual basis. And I'm connecting it to that person's particular goals. 
if they work in diversity and inclusion, they most definitely have an affinity to know what communities are doing what. And I'll start with getting a personal connection with that person. Another thing that I'll do to tie it back to their individual goals is if I have a list of brands, like like I mentioned, yes, we have a lot of inbound, but let's talk about if there are core brands that I know that care a lot and are trying to make an impact, then most likely there's a statement from their Office of Diversity and Inclusion or a pledge that they've made. And if I can connect it back to said pledge, like Goldman, Goldman Sachs has a huge pledge to support Black women, multiple millions of dollars. Being able to connect my ask to something that they've already put out will make an initial conversation that much easier. But I will say there's no template. It's all individualized. Someone is starting a business and trying to figure out how to scale their sales strategy. They should always bucket companies or prospects anyway. So like there are companies that need an individualized approach. And maybe those are like the top 10% of your list. And then you can have a middle tier of your list that can be passed off to someone more junior on your team and someone who can deal with high volume outbound. And then like the bottom of your list, you just put in a cadence. Maybe you send them advertisements and things like that. But as a CEO and who is running the sales team simultaneously, I take a very hyper-personalized approach to companies that are on the top of my list. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said the things you said in that way. I was actually hoping you did. So you shared some key important pieces just now. And the first one was that they aren't cold emails. Your emails tend not to be cold. They're emails to people you've already interacted with. You also shared the importance of creating that separate email. So for those of you listening, you know, that means getting personalized messages to them. You aren't doing a forward. And I mean, on the other side of things, because I write for Black Enterprise as well and a few other things, it's just like, I get them all the time where you can see it was copy and pasted, like your name's a different size and fun from all the rest of it. It's very obvious, right? And you can tell when the person hasn't taken the time or that they don't care too much, right? They've sent it to a million people and you just wanted the million. So I love that you mentioned that separate email. And you don't sell on that email, you're connecting. And it all comes back throughout this entire conversation. I keep hearing that word, connect, that creating those partnerships, those relationships. And I really love that. And you mentioned connecting to the pledge for some of these bigger companies, which goes back to research. A lot of times we're putting our hands out and we're expecting something without doing anything in return. And it's like, we have to do the work. What is it that they have on their mission? What is their mission? What is their pledge? What is their vision for the company? And how does your brand align with that? And making sure you do connect the dots for them in that way. So I loved all of that. I'm super excited that you mentioned it. And I was hoping that you said, listen, it's no template. Like there's no such thing. What are you talking about, Ginette? So Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, templates exist for like some of the brands that maybe are not like your key prospects, but like it would be great to start relationships with. But yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. you double tapping on that. Thank you. Welcome. And you're clearly a sales pro, right? I know we haven't talked about sales as yet because you were saying, you know, you don't necessarily sell in that piece. You're connecting. Um, Connection is a big part of sales itself, but you're a sales pro, hence the name of your business, Sisters in Sales. So I also know you're a senior sales executive exactly for um, Twitter, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like sales is your thing. So what would you say is the most important lesson you've learned about sales over the years? 
Hmm. Well, I would say that for someone who's looking to sell in a corporate fashion, sales changes the more experience that you get. Sometimes when people are stepping into sales for the first time, they're experiencing a ton of outbound activity. They're doing a lot of outreach. They're experiencing... I mean, when you're really starting at the beginning, you're experiencing cold calling, maybe getting hung up on, emails bouncing, people saying unsubscribe, and it can feel like this is going to be, you're signing up for like five to 10 or 15 years of just heartbreak. And I have been through the ranks and done everything that I just mentioned. But the only reason why I knew that I wasn't signing up to be doing that for the rest of my life was because I met a woman who worked at a media agency and she was telling me that she's a salesperson. She'd been in sales for 10 years. She's making half a million dollars salary. And when she goes to specific sales events, she'll go on a private jet with the CEO. Like that's what I heard. That was the first time that someone had ever expressed to me that there is an executive level to this job that could really provide you with a more than ample salary and perks and generational wealth opportunities. Because when you're starting out in these roles that are historically, I wouldn't say discriminatory, because I don't want to be that heavy handed, but historically isolating for Black people and people of color broadly, you won't get those unspoken rules of like where your career can go. So I think where the stigma for sales comes from and just a word of advice from it is why I preach this so much is even the job at the face value might seem challenging, but five, six, seven years from where you are to where you could be is a world of a difference. It's a world of a difference in compensation. It's a world of a difference in power, influence. I mean, Someone had to actually sit down and spell that to me or else I wouldn't be here today. I try to evangelize that as much as possible. Mm, That's such a powerful message because it all comes back down to your connections, right? The person that you met, that lady who told you that opened, like you said, the doors for you, your eyes to what's possible. I mean, it goes back to that. You can't be what you don't see. And it's allowing yourself to understand there are bigger opportunities out there if you keep at it and look for them as well. I'm sure events like yours help create those connections and open minds to new opportunities and new ideas and things as well. So let's get into that a bit. So where can people like find you and learn more about you or any of your upcoming events? Yeah, the main website is a great place to start. It's sistasinsales.com. If you become a member, then we'll also funnel you into our Slack community. And that's where we have daily conversations. There are events happening all over the world, some put on by us, some put on by members. So that's a great way to find your community within the community. And of course, you know, the summit is next Wednesday to next Friday. And we still have some spaces available for you. So I can provide a code for your listeners if possible. If not, then we'll definitely see you another time. But ultimately, it was so great being able to tell you more about the organization. 
Yeah, I don't think that, well, it's not that I don't, I know this wouldn't be live by then because there's a ton of other episodes that are coming out first, but we'll definitely link to the website itself so that they can look for new events. They can possibly join the membership and all of that to continue growing this amazing company you have. And for those of you that are listening, it's Sisters in Sales, Sisters with an A, not ERS. So sistersinsales.com. So that's really great. And there's one question I love to ask at the end of every single Freedom Slay podcast, and that is, what does freedom mean to you? I think freedom means sacrifice. (laughs) There was so much sacrifice given to me for me to be here today. I'm only here because I'm on the backs of others. So I've experienced things that I don't think people in my family or my parents who are no longer here today could ever dream or imagine. Mm, that's so powerful. And I've never heard that answer from that question. We've had over a hundred episodes and so many people answering that. And I'm so glad you shared that message. Thank you so much, Chantel, for hopping on. We greatly appreciate you being on the Freedom Slave podcast. Thank you for having me. How did you find that episode? I hope that it made you rethink the way sponsorships work. Oftentimes we think it's someone plugging away in another room, just shooting email after email after email out until someone answers. And she gave a very different response from what you may have expected. And I'm so happy she did. So you've learned how she does or how she does her sales, which is all through connection. You learned how she gets those sponsorships and so much more. So thank you for listening through to the end. And if you enjoyed this episode, as always, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me over at Gainete on Instagram. That's G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. And we will chat next time. Bye-bye. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.